comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. My name is Oliver Queen. After five years in the house, I returned home with only one goal, to save my city. But my old approach wasn't enough. I had to become someone else. I had to become something else. I had to become the Green Arrow. When I was a child, my planet Krypton was dying. I was sent to Earth. I work with my adoptive sister for the DEO to protect my city from alien life and anyone else that means to cause it harm. I am Supergirl. My name is Barry Allen, and I am the fastest man alive. To the outside world, I'm an ordinary forensic scientist. But secretly, with the help of my friends at Star Labs, I fight crime. I am the Flash. I'm here because the future of the world is in peril. Because of a man named Vandal Savage. I chose you eight to travel throughout time to stop them. You got the wrong guy. Heroing on my resident. Where I'm from, you aren't just considered heroes. You're legend. Hey everybody, welcome to the DC TV Podcast, episode 82. I don't know what to say uh, with you about 82. Anybody? Anybody got something? It's uh, 1982, two years before Orwell's 1984. It was definitely like the height of MTV, and the hair being very, very big as well. As we, we saw this week on Legends, actually, because they go back to the 80s. That that crimp job on Sarah Lance, man. Oh, wow. Wow, that took me back. <laughs> that took me back to a day of you know, padded shoulders and big hair. And, wow, that was crazy. But hey, everybody. Back when Aquanet flew off the shelf by the gallon. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, joining me tonight to talk about DCTV, first off, it's the man who had to clean out his desk when Jim Gordon came back to the GCPD, because Gordon gets the good desk. Not you, Chubb. Chubb Toad Sheldon. How you doing? That's all right. I'll just go back and spend some time with the returning medical examiner. Yowza. And the woman who ended up taking uh, taking the job uh, that Maze could not of being a throat punching assistant to the stars, Sister Throat Punch herself, Jerry Atkinson. Thank you. And uh, joining us later will be Mr. Daryl Taylor. He's been detained. We had five out of six shows this week. We uh, didn't get the Flash because of reasons. A day that Ele- shall ele- live in infamy. Election reasons. Yeah. Let's just leave it at that because it's been quite a week for everybody, you know, no matter what side you are out here on. Um, but we're here to talk about DC television, not uh, not Cheetos. <laughs> Let's start off with some good news. Let's yeah. have some good news. You ready? Young Justice Season 3, after being rumored for months and months and months and Peter David kind of letting it slip at a con and then taking it back all of a sudden, Young Justice Season 3 is happening. I got so excited when I saw that news, I peed a little. I mean, I'm just so freaking excited. And I've been sitting here since that news dropped, just watching a bunch of Young Justice here and there when I can. Because, yeah, I'm I'm like super excited for that. Jerry, you're a fan too? Uh, No, I never saw it. Oh, really? It is as good as the Justice League, uh, 
you know, oh, cool. animated show. It really is. I never saw that show until we did it for the for the yeah, summer. It's it yeah. shows good. I mean, I the, the characters are really well written. The acting is really good. It's also done by yeah. Andrew uh, Andrew Romano did the casting and direction for the the voice acting. Awesome. It's also from Warner Brothers. It's a little bit more. Uh, it's a different style of animation. A little yeah. bit more anime influenced, but like. Sure. Uh, it's like a super serious version of Teen Titans Go. <laughs> There's a few times with Superboy where I'm kind of like, man, did they have Michael Turner inspiration here? Because, I mean, just a little bit of Michael Turner, it just looks like it apes him a little bit. Well, it definitely is that more, you know, that more angular anime influence look. Yeah. You know, that Michael yeah. Turner kind of popularized in American comics back in the day, so. I can see where you'd go with that. Just kind of a little more streamlined. Um, I don't know. I think it's great. I'd, I'd put it side by side with the, the, the Diddy and Tim stuff. It's just as good. You know, oh, yeah. A lot of the same people are working on it. So. And Red Tornado was their babysitter. I mean. Right. It, yeah. But you end up with like the whole, you end up running into the whole Justice League as well as like the, all kinds of Teen Titans yep. characters. I never thought Wait, I'd I see again. I love Teen Titans. Look at that. Or I mean, Teen Titans yeah, well, they bring in, like, Bumblebee and Mal and uh, Masaminos and, uh, and all these different characters, but they all, like, make sense, and there's some really good drama with the characters, and um, the whole bit with Aqualad going undercover with his, fa- his father. Actually, yeah. Oh, man, so good. But um, Aqualad is really done so just brilliantly. New Aqualad kicks so much ass. Oh, man, yes. But it is coming back. Warner Brothers has announced the return of Young Justice. We don't have any particulars on dates. Um, it's funny because they had that Justice League action cartoon slated to start in October, right. and they never did. So um, maybe they're going to do like an hour, you know, maybe an hour long thing with this in Young Justice. I, mean, I don't know what, what they're planning, but we're going to have a Justice League and a Young Justice cartoon at the same time. That's, that's a, that's a great world to live in, I would say. You know, Living a dream. Everyone, I you know. agree. It's not too bad. Yes. Uh, so that so was... The, the more DC that's out there in print and visual media, the better the world is. We also, uh, uh, just real quick on the DC TV um, uh, podcast Facebook group, if you'd like to join, please by all, by all means do so. Uh, we have a, uh, a cool video that Jerry probably really enjoyed of Jason Momoa uh, oh, yeah. drinking beer and throwing tomahawks. That's cool. That's like a pint, a, y'all. Drinking a pint and throwing some tomahawks, having a good time. So, all you Aquaman fans out there, you want to check that out. Uh, let's get into the shows this week. Like I said, we got five out of six this week. The first one we'll talk about: Gotham, Mad City, colon, Blood Rush. James Gordon is back at the police department. Yes, he is. In a big way. And, like, as he walks in, Harvey takes him out to a crime scene. <laughs> um, which actually, this episode starts with Barnes coming home with a bag of groceries, walking down the street. <laughs> and he sees this guy looking very suspicious with, like, blood on his face and stuff. So he follows the dude to a, uh, like, a, a basement with a... Um, those casement stairs, those metal like floor uh, oh. ground ground level stairs, and he walks and follows him down. And uh, that was pretty damn graphic, man. When he walked yeah, in, there, I was they, like, "Whoa!" I First did not think they were going to show that stuff, man. I did not think yeah. they were going to show it. But evidently, there's a guy down there, and his job is to get rid of bodies by 
cutting them up and then uh, putting them in vats of acid. I'm just wondering, and I mean, even though, I mean, it's it's 8 o'clock prime time, but I'm just wondering in a world where Walking Dead and things like that have become pretty mainstream, has it just made it more lax for television to go there? Because I, now, I didn't mind it at all. I thought it was very well done, but I mean, it was surprising for that to be primetime network television. That's what I'm saying. I didn't mind it. I wasn't like, you know, oh, I'm offended by that or whatever. I'm just, it was just surprising to me that a major network, you know, like you said, at 8 o'clock primetime yeah. would be showing. Shouldn't be. The last week they heard, or week before they had a corpse, like being, or a body being bled upside down like cattle. That's and true. And they also had a guy like kissing, kissing a corpse, yeah. too, yeah. But, I mean, oh, these God. are like this, this like one was this much was a, more graphic though. Very it was like a, tor- a cut up torso and a, a yes, leg and some arms and stuff. Barnes like fr- is freaking out because he's got that Alice blood in him, and uh, he kind of goes over the edge. And uh, as Gordon comes into the GCPD, Bullock leads him out to the crime scene, and we see Barnes' handiwork. There's blood everywhere, all over the walls and the floor. There are more, even more body parts than when he was there, and there's a giant hole in the wall where he like pushed him through the wall. It looked like, um, yeah, pretty pretty gross. His name, uh, oh, Polly Pennies is the guy's name. He's just a cleanup guy. So, and I don't know, maybe you want to wait a minute to talk about this, but what? Who do you think Barnes is becoming? Hmm. I don't know. He keeps saying the executioner, you know. Like, he did say like, he was the executioner. Yeah, like, <laughs> so. yeah, he said the judge, jury, and executioner. I'm thinking it might be something yep. like the executioner. You know, well, execution I, I got a real Bane feel from him, but then I, when I chatted that to you earlier in the week, Jim, and you'd mentioned Blockbuster, I was like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. And so, so I'm really starting to lean towards the Blockbuster, but it could be executioner too. I don't know. It's very interesting it's- though. He says he says he wants to punish, you know, that he's he has to be the one to punish, right. do the punishing or something. Right, like, yeah, the whole all over the place with he, these monikers here. <laughs> yeah. Right. He, so. when, when he um, well, he his whole thing. First of all, the guy he kills, uh, Polly Penny's, leads him to a guy named Toad. He takes down Toad at a uh, bar and like almost kills him with a broken bottle to get the name of a guy who is a uh, plastic surgeon who will kill someone, take their face off, and put it on a, a, another person so they can, you know. Uh, not be identified, you know, people in the underworld, things like that. Um, while that is going on, Barnes also stops and visits Jervis at Arkham, and Tetch has, like, nothing to do, nothing to tell him, actually, other than taunting him, but he asks him, you know, has he heard the voices yet? And then uh, he says the viral virus will be dormant sometimes and make itself known to others, but when the voices come, that's when you will be really doomed. And you'll see the world as it really is. I got to really say, I think we've mentioned it before, but I really like this version of Tetch. I really like this actor. And, man, the more we get of him, the the more creepy and awesome he is. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that was very very Hannibal Lecter, like tit-for-tat type thing. Right, right. Quid pro quo, like he had to say something before Tetch would say something. and. Yeah, it was it was well done for sure. And Michael Chiklis, I mean, is always yeah. Michael I think his Chik- theatricality that that his patter is like you know almost you know living theater, you know, really plays off well off Michael Chiklis, who's kind of you know the straight man and the the brute and you know the 
Well, yeah, right, he, but very down to earth. When you know he kills saying? Polly Penny or Penny's earlier or whatever, it reminded me very much of him and uh, Vic uh, in the Shield. Vic yes, in the yes. Shield. I keep saying, oh wow, yeah. it's like having Vic Mackey like go berserkers. Yeah. <laughs> and he was already kind of berserkers. <laughs> yeah. The thing about the way that Tetch rhymes his speech, but is able to do it without losing the inflection or the seriousness or the drama or whatever that line's purpose is. And I don't know, it's just, it's he's so masterfully done. I don't know if it's the writer, the actor, or just the combination, but it's good. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a definitely, it was a good scene, a good performance. Uh, we, there's a lot of tension with Mario and Lee and Gordon. Since Gordon is back working with Lee, Mario doesn't like that, and they're about to have a big, um, their big engagement party. Um, and of course, Mario's dad, being who he is, is making a huge, huge soiree out of it. And Lee, Lee thinks it's kind of cool. Mario doesn't want Gordon around, and Gordon is, of course, now going to be working with Lee every day. Oh, when Barnes is taking down that guy Toad on that pool table, is when we first hear some voices that say "guilty, guilty." guilty yeah and that's kind of the theme that goes on through the whole thing even at the end where he's at the party and he's seeing everyone at the party as being guilty and stuff the day of lee and mario mario's engagement party is there lucius fox tells bullock and gordon that Polly penny's head was relieved of its body by someone's bare hands barnes brings his which son. that takes just a little bit of strength just a little bit just yeah. saying to rip through flesh and sinew and neck bone and yeah you got to really want to do it, too. you got to really put all exactly. your effort into it. Maximum effort, like uh, Deadpool it, says. Yeah, yeah it's definitely a, a crime of passion. <laughs> um, Barnes, bring, Barnes catches Simon in the act of abducting a young woman to take her face off to give it to you know, someone else and brings him in. Um, but Simon gets out, like, immediately. He has a lot of connections, and they can't keep him for long. Um, but once he's out of their hands, they find out that an anesthetic in his office matches a compound of the body of the one that was trying to be, that Polly Penny's was trying to burn up in the acid. So Bullock and Gordon go to the engagement party without invitations, of course. And, uh, Simon is on Falcone's extended guest list and Barnes is always already there as an invited guest. And, uh, as he's standing there, he sees Simon swinging champagne and making Later, when uh, later Barnes corners Simon in the men's room, the voices are getting worse and worse. Simon jokes with Barnes about his frown lines and offers him a free consultation. Uh, Barnes holds him against the bathroom wall by his neck and uh, just goes crazy with him, like bashing him into the wall over and over, and finally throwing him out of the hole in the wall that he makes that down to was the street so below. Awesome. That was so awesome. He just, says, I love that. Yeah, but this is where he says, I am judge, jury, and executioner. And then he throws him out yeah. the window, or through the wall, the hole in the wall he made, and says, sentence served. You know? Through the window. Through the wall. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> through the window, through the wall. And then as um, Gordon and Bullock are pulling up, they see Simon's corpse, like, crushed on the top of a car. Simon isn't quite dead, but he tells Gordon that Barnes... We see, you know, Barnes going to the other side, too. Like, he kind of comes back to the party after killing Simon. He looks around, and everyone looks like zombie, you know, like hideous zombies to him. And they are, he keeps hearing the voices, guilty, 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 guilty. You know, like, for, for everyone there at the party. Um, the other well, sub it is a party of mob people, so, you know... <laughs> that is true. He's like a kid in a candy store. Who am I going to kill next, Meanwhile, while this is going on, we got the uh, the triangle of the year of Ed and Oswald and uh, 
Isabella. I keep wanting to call her Kristen because she looks just like her. Uh, same actress, right? He starts to see Kristen's uh, image in the mirror, like back when before he cracked up, and uh, he starts to freak out about that. And he decides that maybe it'd be better if he broke it off with Isabella in case he hurt her. And then he tells Penguin, "Can you do it for me?" So Penguin goes over and is like, "It's over. He's done. Good day." Talk pretty at much. At least he let her down easy. No, That's he like... didn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a little bit. I know. Wow. It was funny. It was just really funny seeing the way he played it out. And then, uh, but this is when uh, Isabella realizes that Oswald has feelings for Ed too. Because you love him, too, and I'm not even jealous. Finally, uh, this gets um, resolved. Uh, Ed comes to see Isabella after uh, trying to break up with her, and Isabella is totally dressed like Kristen Kringle. Total Kringle makeover. Which, I I get the move, but at the same time, I don't get the move. I'm like, that could have seriously backfired on her. Yeah, I was kind of surprised it didn't. Because, I mean, she even... I think she kind of likes it, though, because, like, she holds his hand to her throat like almost daring him to do it you know what i mean right you know he doesn't and the next day he's got the spring in the step and that does not make penguin happy uh that's that's about it this episode i think i don't think i missed anything today no and i think it was a it was a good solid dark but solid episode oh wait a minute i forgot i did forget one thing uh oswald has one of his employees cut his bell's brakes and it looks like the train is about to hit her car. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, we aren't sure. There's no you know, body or, or res- uh, resolution to that, really, because that's the way the episode ends. <sighs> Another girlfriend fridged? <laughs> or is she alive? <laughs> oh, I'm sure she's happen. alive. I hope yeah. she's alive. Hope Even if she's not, Hugo Strange will bring her back. Everybody's going to be back alive. Everyone. No one dies and dies. I'll tell you there for a minute, the way they were playing something, I was like, I was going, I wonder if the whole thing with her is just a figment of his imagination in some sort of, like, fight club kind of way. But then I was like, yeah, wait Yeah, that's a what minute. we were trying to figure out, too. Like, did they well, but Penguin, but, yeah. but Penguin interacted with her. That's it. So I was right. like, but right. if it weren't for that, I'd be like, I think this whole thing is in his head. But, right. Yeah. It should have been, since he killed her. <laughs> totally right. should have been. I, I'd give it a solid B. It was, it was good. It was just, it was good. I also give it a B. I really want to see what they're going to do with Barnes. That was the most interesting part of this to me. I thought Michael Chiklis killed it. I thought he did really well. And uh, that stuff with Kringle, the Kringle makeover was kind of uh, kind of cool, too. So I give it a B. I'm going to go see. I, I did like the atmospheric stuff. I'm still liking the, the costuming and the dark undertones. There's just not enough happening in this. I mean, I don't know. But it just wasn't enough to really make it stand out. So, okay, let's move on to uh, The Fur of Lucy. Yay! Season yeah. 2, Episode 7, My Little Monkey. <laughs> That's the name of the episode. Uh, after after everything with Dr. Martin last week, and, you know, him, you know, he wants to, I think he's trying to find some normal, uh, trying to feel a little more normal, so he decides he's going to follow around Dan. Or Detective Douche, as he calls him. Detective Douche, yes. <laughs> Excuse me, Detective, um, Detective Douche. People... I have to say, as we get into it, I don't know if this is the best episode of Lucifer so far, but it is quite the most enjoyable episode so, so ridiculous. far. ridiculous, I loved it. Yeah, yeah it starts out with um, Chloe's dad being shot. 
But it starts out with the, they show the, you know, the reenactment of Chloe's dad being shot back in the 90s. You know, he's bringing her her favorite sandwich or whatever, and he, he gets killed. We, the procedural of this whole episode is all about her dad. It turns out the guy who they put in jail to, you know, to, um, you know, to serve, uh, for that murder sentence, uh, didn't really do it. And as soon as he gets out of jail, him and his guards are killed. And then the, the person that they lead him to is killed, and it turns out it's the warden who set up this whole thing because her dad got a little too close to something that he shouldn't have. And this also ties up Maze's problem about finding a job because now she has a job as a bounty hunter. Yes! She's like, hunting humans is a job. I, I'm perfect for that. <laughs> um, she has a little side thing this week with the therapist who, who's... Um, uh, Dr. Harris is still freaked out, or Dr. Martin, I'm sorry, still freaked out about seeing Lucifer's true face and that Mazikeen's actually a demon. But after a while, Mazikeen wins her back over and they realize they they can be friends. Um, Which is hilarious and ridiculous. That was ridiculous. Like, oh my God, we can't be friends. You're a demon. That is correct. Oh, you, but you know what? I can't let you drink alone. Stop it. She's a demon. Come on, okay? You have no barriers here. I mean, I don't judge you guys for being what you are, but demon. <laughs> okay. But I thought it was pretty pretty great. Um, it was awesome, but still. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, I, I wrote that I have a few lines here. Um, when Lucifer's following Detective Dan around, uh, people like you, they find you helpful, like duct tape or a trusted socket wrench. <laughs> <laughs> like duct tape. That was great. Um, Lucifer starts copying Dan's movements. In the interrogation room, he dresses like Lucifer shows up dressed almost like him. He's like trying and uh, he's trying to emulate Dan to become like more more normal, I guess. He's envious of Dan's normality, and then Dan reveals uh, he follows Dan one uh, night to Dan's improv group, <laughs> and Dan is doing is doing uh, his imitation of Lucifer on the stage. <laughs> I'm Lucifer Morningstar, you know. Dead on. He's it was dead on. As much as he has been everybody's source of comedy for this whole show, like literally everybody is, has done impressions or talked about him or made new nicknames for him, he finally gets, you know, to not be the butt of the joke. It was awesome. Yeah. It was it was hilarious. And, you know, when he, and, uh, you know Lucifer is, of course, outraged. He's like, that's not me. <laughs> that's not me at all. And they kind of talk, they kind of bro it out and talk it out. And then they uh, end up going after a uh, a guy who um, you know makes bodies disappear or whatever is at the top uh, or has something to do with Chloe's dad's murder and they have to go to a Russian bathhouse to talk to him. So a little eye candy for the ladies. The ladies. For the ladies yeah. in the house and some of the men too, <laughs> you know. Now, I have to say, now I don't know if you've gotten to it yet, but when when she looks at the guy that ki- that was convicted of killing her dad, the the videotape. All I can say is, dude had the crappiest lawyer in the world. His, I mean, how, his lawyer should have caught that in the background of this tape is a clock showing that he's across town when the murder happened. I mean. What a crappy lawyer. That's all I can say is he got screwed. Well, he was getting paid to take the fall, so he didn't really put up much of a defense, right? He was just kind of there to kind of be the fall guy. Well, true, but... So just, well, he wouldn't have put up a defense to try to prove well, his innocence because he was doing the 
that to get you know, he was getting paid to do that so uh yeah i well yeah for i guess but it i don't know just i feel bad the dude wasted what 16 years in prison for no reason right for his family Exactly. Because his family was getting the payments and stuff. Like Chloe yeah, even hugs a lot, a lot of relationship building. Yeah. yeah, even even Chloe hugs Lucifer at the end. Daryl, are you there? Did you just flush the toilet? Did I, I see a toilet? Seriously? That's not like I a toilet. Daryl, are you there? And then I hear a toilet flush. Like Is this a metaphor for... And we are now joined by Daryl Taylor, live from his uh, private submarine. Deep under his uh, ocean lair, under his uh, volcanic lair. How are you doing, Daryl? I'm fine. Don't tell anybody where I am. Right. Are you hanging out with oh. Black Manta? Can't talk about it. He is Black Manta. Or Ocean Just Master. Just talked about it. African-American Can't. Manta to you. Okay. Can't talk about it. Okay. Right now we're talking about Lucifer. Um, we're talking about how he's trying to uh, learn to be a douche. He was douching. <laughs> yeah, he did oh, a good job too. Yeah, I thought he did a good job too. But um, we're just getting to the end of Dushifer. Wait, really quick, Daryl, who do you think played who better, Lucifer playing Douche or Dan playing Lucifer? Because we just talked about that scene. Uh, it's got to still be Lucifer playing Dan. Yeah, when he did that, did that American accent at that bathhouse or whatever. <laughs> that was yeah. Come on, that was that was still better. Even though it was a little funny when Dan tried to when he imitated Lucifer, <laughs> it even hurt his feelings. I know when he said why when he's like Detective Douche, he's like, "My name is Daniel." And I'm like, "Oh my god, it's got a name." <laughs> 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 oh, wow, I feel bad. <laughs> Because we literally call him Detective Douche. Yeah, I mean, we had to. It's so we funny they call him that in the show too. Yeah. yeah, like nonstop. So he finally got his. He got over it for a minute. But I thought this was a good episode of Lucifer, and uh, I mean, there was a lot of good character moments here. Um, the stuff with Maze and the therapist was good. The stuff with Chloe's dad, you know, and, and Lucifer was good. And um, that was a good episode all around. I give it an A minus. It was like just shy of being like you know the best of the the, the series. I give it I, I give it a B because she's still not the strongest of actors. Even when she's like going through this most painful thing with her father, it still right is not as strong. I felt more I felt more pain from Maze being rejected by the by the doctor than I did when she was crying about her father. Yeah, I believe, I agree. I agree with that. That stuff with Maze and the doctor was was great. I mean, both of those were emotional. Good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, when she slides the check under the door, she's like, why don't you come help me drink this check, you know? Yeah. Exactly. And that's yeah. a Keen Smith on the check. It was like literally a rom-com moment, but, you know, usually it's the guy that, that says the nice words and brings the girl around, but it was nice and her. It was, it was adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I give it an A. And like I said before, it may not have been... I don't know if I would say it was the best episode of Lucifer, but it definitely was the most enjoyable one. I really, it was just one funny, great moment after another. And then just the whole thing with her dad and that mystery of just, it was a really good procedural as well. So just all the way around, I loved it. Yeah, I'm glad they figured it out and they didn't have to do it like another, like a whole season of trying to figure out who killed them. 
Right. And it was just in a one episode, and they, and they solve it. This was such an aid to me. I mean, like, Detective Douche got a like, like, claimed his name. <laughs> you know? May, you know, Mace, like, romantic comedy, talked the way back into the doctor's my life. Name, my name is Dan. My name is Dan. And any episode where they have several scenes with the kid is just because I love her. She is just good. She's the cherry on top of every scene that that she's involved in. She's kind of a soul of this, you know, because, I mean, Lucifer is it. She's kind of a soul, you know, she she brings everything back to reality and it's not over aggressively sugary cute to where you want to kill yourself. Right. Right. She's not annoying. She kind, of, she kind of cuts the crap too. She kind of because she's a kid, she yes. can say things that we're thinking that an adult would not say in that, right. in that yeah. situation. There's no tag. Yeah, because kids have zero chill. No filter. No filter. No. Awesome. no. Solid, solid A. This was such a joyful episode for me. I mean, yeah, her dad died, but she's tragic every fucking episode, even if anybody that she knows doesn't well, die. Well, and that so. was 16 years <laughs> before, so you know, it's not right. like it just happened. Yeah, get over herself. Fine. Yeah, no, this is an A. I like this. I always have sympathy for the devil, but this was really good. Supergirl, Crossfire. Uh, episode, uh, season 2, Episode 5. Uh, I really liked this episode for a number, a, few, you know, a number of reasons. I almost thought they had too much going on in one episode. Yeah, right. it was a lot. There was a, it was a lot. Yeah, there was a lot. It was in constant dense. It was content dense, but it wasn't confusing. I mean, they still kept the thread. Right. No, you just had to move the pieces along. The main the main plot line had to do with some bank robbers who somehow got alien tech. They have these alien guns that look like they're out of Halo. And yeah, um, right. <laughs> Super Supergirl, like there's a they're they're walking down the street, Supergirl and James, and there's a bank robber like right in front of them, and Supergirl's like, right in front of me, boy, I I feel sorry for them. <laughs> I almost feel sorry for them. And this is when James tries to fight one of the goons, but he gets knocked out, and then his dad's camera gets run over. Um, it's like this heirloom from his father that you know he carried around. It turns out, you know, immediately after this, you know, Cadmus puts out another video, and it's not long before everybody realizes that Cadmus is the one responsible for supplying the bank robbers with the alien weapons. They're using the bank robbers to sow fear and to make people fearful of aliens. And we get to see the evil lady Cadmus scientist, and that's what he told. Um, he, she tells the um, the dude that she gives the weapons to, and she gives him an even bigger weapon um, to use next time, like this big orange cannon thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. As that's going on, uh, Monel, aka Mike, <laughs> is uh, trying to intern at Catco. Um, they, you know, J- James and uh, and Kara kind of set him up with an internship there. But he uh, isn't really doing so well. First of all, he gives all of his work to Eve Teschmacher. And then well, they, she asked for it. She right. Yeah. For it. And then later, he's trying to give something else to Eve in the copy room. And well, Carol, Carol walks in. What I don't get is, why do they feel they need to integrate him so quickly into society? I mean, I get he 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 wants to be outside Cadmus. And she, he needs to be close to her, but can't he? I, I don't know. It just seems kind of odd that before they totally teach him some regular Earth social graces and things like that, that it's a little early to just throw him into a job and everything else with 
the public. Well, this is Kara. This is all Kara's doing. Yeah, and, and I, I know. She kind of realizes the error of her ways by the end of the episode, and then she's all yeah. like, you know, hey, I gotta let you go your own pace. You gotta, you know, you need to get out there in the world, but you need to do it your own yeah. way, just like I did. So that's kind I, of the whole, you know, that whole arc there. Um. Also, we got the this uh, story arc of Alex. Kind of having an awakening, as it were, realizing some yep. things about herself. Oh, yeah. That she might uh, like Maggie a little more than just friends. And she's kind of struggling with uh, um, whether or not she wanted, you know, whether or not she might be gay. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, too, because she goes to try to talk to Kara about it, and all Kara does is talk to her. About yeah. Monel and everything, and she never even gets to to mention um, anything about it to her. And that's when Lena Luthor shows up and asks Kara to come to her gala because Kara is like one of her few friends, and she also asks if she could you know get in touch with Supergirl somehow to have her to the gala. Uh, Scale of one to ten, how much do you trust her? Who, Lena Luthor? Yeah, I don't care. She's just. I would trust her implicitly because I think she's gorgeous. Yeah, I, so. I, I think she's trustworthy. <laughs> I would just be yeah. Now I have to I have to say that that one Jim I do agree she is gorgeous oh and absolutely God. stunning, beautiful. Mm-hmm. But um, two that does not make a person neither good nor bad. I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say it did. You know what? <laughs> so, so you have avoided my question. Yes, I have. I've avoided. <laughs> I have absolutely avoided your question. (laughs) This does not surprise me. This explains a lot in my life. I I like her character to the point I want to trust her, but that name of Luther and just a few looks on her face have me like, hmm. Yeah, but I automatically think because they keep throwing those things at us that she is trustworthy. I think that that's going to be... I never trust Big Button Smile. That's just me. Uh, yeah, I've heard that too. But when yeah. we find out who her mom is at the end of the episode, I mean, that kind of, you know, it calls everything into question too. Anyway, at this big, uh, at this big, uh, to do that, um, Lena Luthor is having, um, she, they draw out the, these guys with the alien weapons again. Uh, Supergirl fights them and is having trouble fighting them, but evidently Lena Luthor is ready for them. She has this kind of depowering doohickey hidden underneath the table. And when between her and Wynn, they're able to turn it on and depower the weapons. Do you see a thing with them? Not a, I don't know about a relationship, but I mean like a friendship or something. On yeah, that tech I think level. it's going to be like Cisco and Felicity. Yeah, you know I mean where they yeah. respect yeah. each other's kind of tech savvy. You know, mm-hmm. they kind of like are, are bros, the tech bros. They nerded out. They nerded out real well. They synced really fast. With yeah, the yeah. The power inductor. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. yeah. it was pretty great. Um, turns out, of course, Cadmus is, is, uh, supplying the weapons, and the last shot of the, uh, episode is, uh, Lena Luthor seeing her mom, who is evil Cadmus' scientist lady. Dun, right. dun, dun. Which makes me think it's, that her mother's doing all this stuff without her knowledge, I think. Yeah, because the way, I mean, Lena was not happy to see her. You know what I mean? No, was like, what do you want to know? Mother, you know. Um, we also get this, uh, subplot with James. Uh, like I said, he gets thrown down and beaten up by goons a couple times because he wants to jump into the fray. And he asks Wynn to, like, make him a suit so he doesn't get, you know, as hurt. Yeah. He wants to be a hero. This, la- this is probably the weakest part of this 
the episodes are with with uh, with Jimmy trying to wanting to be a, a vigilante. But yeah, anyway, it was just kind of sad. He was pathetic. I'm sorry. He did. It did. Yeah. He did. He did. He totally did. He came on very pathetic to me. Like mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, that just escalated. Come on, this is a strong, confident, super yeah. young head of you know whatever, whatever. And I mean, what, what yes, but respect? this is Where's Jimmy Olsen, and and I'm fine with a lot of changes that they make in these shows on television and stuff. I'm cool with that. But the one okay. thing about Jimmy Olsen is that's Superman's pal, or in this case, Supergirl's pal. This is the guy who his power was being Jimmy Olsen. I mean, he was Jimmy Olsen. He 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 has moments of brilliance and then moments that get him in trouble. And I don't, I don't think they need to directly translate that into this character, but to try and force him into wanting to be a, a superhero, mm-hmm. that was a bit of a cross the line. It was. It was. It was so contrived. It was so thrown in. I, I didn't like it. No, My thing absolutely. is, Wynn is working at the DEO, like constantly pumping out algorithms or whatever the hell he's doing over there to try to figure things out. He's always going to be working over there. When the hell does he have time to fabricate like a super suit? Right. Yeah. yeah. For 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 James, you know. I mean, when does he when does he have I mean, does he have that kind of uh, manufacturing capabilities? Does he have, you know, factory robots, you know? I mean, what I, I just don't get it. Maybe he braids Mr. Fantastic's hair and they trade off with the <laughs> Mr. Terrific, yeah. Or maybe he oh, calls sorry. maybe right. he calls right. Cisco from the Arrowverse over. I mean, there's they're all there's some kind of there's some kind of barter system they all have, and they each you know like rub each other's backs or whatever. But you know, metaphorically, yeah, there's something they're doing there. Because his hair did not braid itself right before that. I'm saying though, Cisco always (laughs) always like magic up all the science stuff all the time. (laughs) Yes, so it's like you got to tell me something because somebody braiding that hair. I mean, you just ain't running out there, right? See, I figured out. I figured this mystery out. I think we we got a lead on Prometheus. Okay, I need about six hours to get my hair ready. I'll meet you out there. Okay, close the files on this one. Let's let's get some other questions. You want to do it for me this time? It's just something ain't right. Something is not right. So, anywho, that's Supergirl. No John in this episode, hardly, at all. No. No. I guess he's going to have a bunch to do. Uh, oh, I forgot. Maggie Sawyer. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, step on you. <laughs> no, I just think probably, he'll probably have a lot to do when they start to get into the Miss Martian stuff again. Right. Um, I forgot to mention Maggie Sawyer took the um, bank robbers into custody. They were about to roll over on Evil Cadmus Lady, but they, she ends up exploding like some sort of thing in their brain. Always. Yeah. Also, we're getting more signals that Mon Al and Kara are probably going to uh, hook up Brown. at some point. It's going to be a few. Yeah, it's going to be a few episodes from now. But this is, I like this episode quite a bit, actually. It reminded me, there was an episode of the uh, Superman the Animated Series that was similar to this, where Inner Gang got Apocalypse Weapons. Um, yeah. Very, very similar Yeah, we've story. had this. Yeah. yeah, we've had this a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I give this a solid B, this episode. I enjoyed it. Yeah, same with me. Solid I- B. I'm I'm gonna have to abstain from giving it a letter grade because I was I had this going while election returns were coming in, oh, and Lord. I didn't pay full attention and I didn't take the chance to uh, go back and watch it again, so it wouldn't be fair 
for um, me to give it a grade, so I will abstain. But what I remember of it, I enjoyed. Shame on I'm going to go B, and it would have been like a B plus or possibly an A. This, the beginning really caught me there. The whole Monel being her new alien BFF, and you know, it was kind of joyful and stuff. And you know, like, yeah, like you said, her saying, "Oh, this is this happening in front of me." It was it's kind of cute and upbeat. And then it got CW real quick. And then Kara's being petty and jealous of her new alien BFF, and pretty much slut shaming him. And I'm just like, no. So. Yeah, when he gets that new, <laughs> she did do. She totally, I, she was totally a blocker. <laughs> I saw oh she man, it's oh, Kimmy Moore of a blocker. So she walked in on it, and what was it? She said, uh, "This isn't what it looks like." She goes, "Oh, I, it's totally what it looks like." She was hating. She was hating hard. Okay. He wasn't even hiding. He was like, "Listen, I, I didn't force myself on her. I didn't tell her she had to do this for me. She offered. What is the problem? Like, why are you mad, son? Because tell me telling. why you. Yeah, yeah." Yeah, and she even finally comes to, then when she finally came to, I'm like, okay, well, at least, you know, she can realize that about herself, because I'm not a fan of Petty Carr. I'm like, no. Nah, Petty. I petty like, all the time. Uh, I think the only reason she's Petty is because she was jealous. Yeah, she is, but that's yeah, what, uh, they, I don't want to see Jealous Carr either. I know, like, stop hating. Right. Yeah. Well, it's your cousin, he's doing good. This is your boy. Come on. Don't hate. Appreciate. He, he living. Participate. I don't care. Just don't hate. Dude, don't hate. I ain't, I ain't in your business. <laughs> Like, right, you get you some side mind. pieces and find a closet. And, you That's know. your business. That's your business. <laughs> it is. Don't be petty. Yeah. Get your life together. Seriously. Get a life. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <Shoot>. <laughs> so, yeah, B. Yeah, B. Totally B. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's move on to Arrow, Season 5, Episode 6. Dun, 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 so dun, dun. it begins. It's the name of the episode. First yes. of all, I just want to say Dolph Fracken Lundgren. I'm saying is the man. I would never. Nope. Say, I'm never going to say this ever again. So get me down on on uh, you know tape right now or whatever. Or quote me now. But the flashback with him in it, the flashback was awesome this week. <laughs> it never happens. It, it uh, was. It was good. Yeah. Oh come on, it's Dolph Lundgren. I it's wish he had said a flashback. He'll throw you through you. a damn window if you don't like his flashback. <laughs> it will yeah. break you. He will break you. I wish he said it. Didn't you want to hear him say that? He uh, could have. He probably, he still can. Yeah, he still can. He still can. He still, he still coming. Yeah. I will break you. Um, we open up with Green Arrow and Spartan attracting Prometheus, and they track uh, to a warehouse, but the warehouse is abandoned except for a bunch of torches that all of a sudden light up. So it begins, written on a fire on the floor. Right. So uh, whoever you know, whoever did this, of course, saw the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie. Yes, and I, too, <laughs> was a Babylon 5 fan, so I got it. Yeah. Back at the era, okay, Felicity wants to bring in the rest of the team on it, but Diggle and Oliver are kind of like, hey, let's wait for, you know, let's hold, hold off on this until we have a little something a little more substantial. Um... Speedy wants to do a uh, music festival in Star City to bring people in for tourism or whatever, and uh, you know Oliver thinks it's a great idea. Meanwhile, he has a interview with that uh, the, the newscaster is trying to flirt with him and stuff. Um, but you know, Speedy reminds her, that, you know, you know that she could ruin his career. But Oliver says he hasn't done anything yet. And then uh, they're both Detective Lance and, and Thea are both like, "Yet, uh oh, you know." 
So uh, Lance, you know, says yeah, for this, you know, Theo's going to call in favors for nightclub days, and Lance will bring in a uh, guy he knows uh, who runs Rocket Arena. Then we all of a sudden get these, like, random killings. Like, you see this mom vacuuming her house and picking up stuffed animals, and Prometheus shows up and whips a throwing star at her and kills her. The next Shurken, thing, you mean? Yeah. Well, they call her the throwing star killer in this <laughs> I episode. I know. I just, I just wanted to be obnoxious. Yeah. Thank you. Um, also, uh, well... Uh, they cut to um, they cut to the chase, ha Because DA Chase is there. Hey, no, I get it. Oh. And uh, him and Green Arrow talk about are on the scene investigating. They get a call about another throwing star murderer victim. This time, a cab driver. Diggle talks to Felicity about maybe getting her cop squeezed to get some evidence. And you know, like she finally, you know, she does uh, steal one of the throwing stars from her boyfriend, and then later tells him that she works for the Green Arrow. Now, this was kind of weird, the way he reacted. Yeah. Because at first yeah, he said, well, at first, at first he said, well, what you're doing is illegal. I thought, oh, no, this is going to be a whole thing where they're not going to be able to date because she works in Green Arrow and he thinks it's wrong. And, but, you know, it's going to be like this moral thing. But then he, like, right. turns on a dime on it and he's like, but what you're doing is important. So, you know, so he's, like, all down with it and stuff. So. I yeah I was like expecting the whole CW moment and got something cool instead. So yeah. Well, here's the interesting Which... thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, whoever whoever Prometheus is, he has like access to the, the the Star City Police Department. So it could be that Billy dude. I mean, he could have some connection to the original list or whatever, you know. Right. Because it turns out that these people that that um, uh, Prometheus is killing, somehow their names are anagrams for people who are on. Oliver's death list back in season one. There's a uh, a scene with a farmer's market where there's a panic of just guys shooting guns in the air for some reason. <laughs> I, I, I didn't understand oh, yeah. that at all. I didn't quite get that. Because they show up and there's just like a bunch of dudes like shooting guns in the air. There's no Prometheus at all. But uh, they bring in the whole team on that one. And then when they do, the team regroups and they're like, hey, you know, why didn't you tell us about the serial killer? And then uh, they're like, you know, the A team had to make sure the B team was worthy and all this other stuff. And uh, they're all mad at Oliver. I would be, too. But he's a douche. He's known for being a douche. So. Well, he's Batman. He can do what he wants. He's the douchiest Batman ever. Especially the one who seems to be frustrated the most is Evelyn. Because Oliver wouldn't let her kill to revenge her family's death. But, you know, he's killing, he killed left, right, and center back in the day. They called him a serial killer. I was yeah. like, ooh, that's a little harsh. Yeah, they did. They, yeah, they, they I thought it was a bit over the top considering what they're doing. Right. Um, there's, harsh. A, there's also a B-plot where Thea finds out that Quentin is still drinking. He never stopped. Yeah, I'm not drinking. You know, I come in late every day and I... I never shave. I never shave. I'm putting breath mints in my mouth as soon as I come in. The uh, the, the outsiders, the Aerolats, whatever you want to call them, uh, they get together and they drink some uh, uh, Rory's family homemade schnapps and complain about Oliver. Um, and Evelyn's not even sure she wants to keep doing this now. After finding out know, what else he's going to keep from her and, you know, he doesn't trust us, yada, yada, yada. So then we get uh, another part, another installment of Diggle's inspirational speeches. Yes! Oliver's upset about the team, so Diggle has to sit down with Oliver and explains to him that you know, you're moving forward. You're not, you know, you're not a killer. You know, you don't have the, you know, he killed Damien. You killed Damien Dark at Church's men, but only because, uh, you know, there's a difference between a good kill and one made out of rage, as he says. 
they end up with a list of possible anagram targets. That was like a dumb, dumb thing. How could your name, their names be anagrams for other people's names? I don't know. Anyway, but they yeah. come up with another one, and there happen to be six of them, just like there are six of members of the group. So each one of them goes on, you know, goes to, to cover, you know, one of the, the potential victims. Artemis gets mad at Felicity asking her questions, so she turns off her comment. Of course, that's where Prometheus shows up to kill the subway employee running the train. Artemis and Prometheus fight, and uh, Felicity's worried about her because she hasn't heard from her on the radio. Green Arrow heads over there, and he arrives just in time to save the day. Uh, Prometheus escapes but leaves a bomb behind on the subway car, so Oliver clips a cable to everyone's belts and shoots a parachute arrow through the hole in the roof. Um, Artemis and the subway guy out of there, and then the subway car blows up. Now, if the, he already had a bomb on there to, to kill the guy, why did Prometheus have to show up in person to do it? Right. That didn't make any right. sense. Why well, no. just let the bomb do it? No I mean, yeah. <clears throat> right. Well, I guess, they, you know, he had to have that scene of him, uh, you know, appearing to almost kill her, I guess. It's like you, you worry that he's going to kill uh, Evelyn. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's plus that's the kick in the butt for her to realize, you know, this is serious business. Stop whining. Right. Because they have a scene. Oliver yeah. and Evelyn have a scene afterwards. Uh, uh, well, Oliver's saying he's putting the amogram targets into witness protection. And she uh, they both kind of apologize. And uh, she promises to be patient. And he promises to be patient with her. So they have the, the as they mentioned the they have the music festival you know Athea was able to pull it off in like a day it seemed like you know, it's like oh we're having a music festival okay now we're having it right now you know this seemed very fast right. um, the Aero team kind of slips off to listen to music Felicity shows up and it turns out the alloys on the throwing stars have a bunch of uh, genetic markers and blah 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 science. Uh, I think Prometheus has gotten his hands on the various arrows that you've used over the past four years, melted them down, and fashioned weapons out of them. That leads them to the same conclusion. Prometheus has access to the, the lockup of the uh, Star City Police Department. And the, the final scene, they cut to Quentin Lance, who is waking up in his apartment with a really bad cut on his arm, just like the arm, the cut on his arm that Prometheus got in a fight with uh, uh, Artemis, and a clean throwing star on his coffee table. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. You know, I really think there's no way it's Clinton. We can all agree on that, right? It's just a yeah, hand. yeah, no, no. I thought I, that where they were trying to lead us. But I, I think Prometheus is going to be one of the. I think he's one of the people Oliver killed in the first season. One of the bad guys on that list. I, I have a feeling it's Tommy. Tommy. I put down Tommy Merlin. I also put down Oliver's dad. Why can't Oliver's dad be alive? You know well, why would she? Well, why would he come back to her? Why wouldn't he? Just, uh, would, maybe the he... Flashpoint thing uh, paradox messed him up. Who knows? The guy that played Tommy Merlin is on a different show. He's a lead on a different show now. Yeah, he's on Chicago Mid. Yeah, so back. I don't think he's coming back. It could be Malcolm uh, Merlin, though. I mean, think about it. He lost his hand and shit. He's all pissed off. We haven't seen him yet this season. He's supposed to be part of that Legion of Doom that with uh, Damian Dark and the Reverse Flash. Could be. Yeah, it could be. Any other theories as to who Prometheus might be? I said Ollie's dad. Okay, so that was Arrow this week. All right, solid, solid episode. I'm good. I'd say a B minus. 
Yeah, you rubbed me minus. I think it was solid. I liked it. Uh, I do think it's something about that. Like, they're bringing up a lot of stuff from season one. I really think it's somebody he affected in the first season. When he was cracking next, like, no tomorrow. Well, if it's Billy, it could be, uh, you know, he could be the son of somebody he killed. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's a son that somebody else who's, you know, realized, you know, when he found out his father was killed, maybe he got picked up in the uh he joined the uh the league or something. B B Mr. Trippick's braids look tight. Yeah, B. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking like R. Kelly with that face paint and those beautiful braids. <laughs> you know, a a coworker and I were talking about the braid the the cornrows again this week and he said, Well what if Cisco, and they just haven't shown it, Cisco invented some sort of instant cornrow helmet thing that just goes down and just does it really fast. That's not where his technology really, really leans towards. No, but but I I told him, I said, that's an interesting theory. I think that would be kind of crazy, but okay. But I don't know. they, They have to explain it. They have to. They can't leave that hanging out there. I, I gave my explanation. Jimmy Olsen, they're they're trading favors over there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's Jesse Quick do it for him. Hey, that would be smart. All Super speed. How to do. Yeah, She's hello. on another Earth. Oh, maybe he has a, he just uh, put his yeah, head Yeah, they've through. got that beacon. They can say if any of the Jesse Quicks can braid. <laughs> there you go. That is true. <laughs> we'll super serum you. That would explain a lot. Yeah, that would explain yeah, a lot. Sense. Yeah, come on. And finally for the week, we got Legends of Tomorrow, Compromised, uh, Season 2, Episode 5. And I'm just going to say that this this whole season, for me, it just seems like every time there's a good thing, there's a there's a stupid thing. You know what I mean? There's like, yes, it's, it's yeah. there's like it's some stuff I love. Back, yeah. There's like some sure. stuff I love, and then some stuff I just look at, and I'm just like, what? You know? This was a yeah. frustrating yet joyous episode at the same time. I, I agree. Uh, they're back in the Cold War. They're traveling to 1987, the day before the INF Treaty is signed between uh, Reagan and Gorbachev. Nate has made a newfangled time seismograph to detect uh, time epicenters and stuff. And it turns out yes. the source of this operation is no one other than <laughs> dun, 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 Damien Dark. Right. Um, this is that great there's a great scene with him in a white linen suit dealing cocaine on a dock. <laughs> and they did, they should have did the Miami Vice scene, like the, the theme song right there. Like, <laughs> Definitely that gated drum sound in the background of the music. Um, as it's happening, the uh, the cops show up, and instead of a gunfight, all of a sudden Neil Barthon is there and snaps at pretty much everyone's neck, except for, except for Dark's. And uh, he agrees to help the speedster with his latest plot. Although he hasn't seen him for, like, what, 20 years? Is that what he says? Because he, uh... Yeah, the last time he saw him, he was trying... He said, the last time I saw you, you were trying to get me to bomb uh, bomb New York with a Nazi U-boat or something. Okay. Uh, we get a subplot with Ray and Mick. Mick is trying to uh, get Ray to act more like Snart for some reason. But that doesn't work out because Ray is too much Ray. Um, Jackson Stein argue about uh, the whole butterfly effect thing, like how you know how much they are able to change. 
because they see Stein as the younger self, and uh, Stein is like neglecting his wife, who Stein, you know, of course now cherishes, but back then kind of blew off for his work. Let's see, and then Nate and Vixen go to reach out to the JSA to do a secret um, training facility they had, and they uh, run into Obsidian, uh, Todd Rice, uh, but he's played by Lance Hendrickson now. He's much older. Uh, I guess he'd be like in his 70s. Uh, he's no invalid, though. He just needed a breather. And he gets back up and he explains what happens to the, happened to the JSA. They said after Rex's death in World War II, the team continued, but Eastern Europe grew shaky under the USSR and the Iron Curtain. At one point, Eisenhower sent them to Leipzig, and then no one ever returned. Um, Todd stayed behind because in the 1950s there wasn't much respect for a gay man like him. Uh, hearing all this, you know, Maya apologizes to Todd for leaving. First, they need Todd's help, and she also promises to find Rex's killer, but first they need Todd's help to get inside the White House. Uh, the rest of the team is already... Oh, I'm sorry. The, yeah, the rest of the team's already there. Um, Mick and Ray eat some uh, Ronald Reagan's jelly beans while they're there. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, Ray's trying to be a bad guy, but not working out too well. Um, Such a lame plot. Such a lame... I've, the whole... Trying to turn Ray into Captain Cold thing just was stupid. I think I so think trying it's, to be cool. I think it's just an excuse for him to like get that tech because he'll do something. I think he'll do something else with the tech. Um, yeah. Sarah gets caught by Secret Service and all hell breaks loose. Ray and Mick uh, use the guns, but they cross streams and it causes an explosion. But Firestorm helps them all get away and they get back to the ship. So that that didn't go too well. Didn't he ever watch Ghostbusters? You don't cross the streams. That's what I was thinking when he said that. I'm like, wow, very, uh, very, uh, very original there, crossing the streams. They figure out their next steps. They want to stake out Dark's next, next meeting. It turns out to be on a park bench with a KGB agent, and Dark makes fun of, of KGB agents. He's like, what is your name, Boris? Igor? It seems like it's always one or the other, you know, blah, blah, blah. And while that happens... Young Stein just walks right in front of Dark. He's like, "Hi, you know, I, you don't know who I am, but I'm Ernst Stein, and I'm going to, butt, you know, I'm going to kiss your butt and polish your apple right now because I really need to get ahead." Blah blah blah. Um, so, of course, you're know, walking up the wrong place at the wrong time. Dark does what he does. He stabs the Young Stein, and leaves him for dead. Uh, Ray and Mick get there in time. They take the Young Stein back to the Wave Rider, and Older Stein is also feeling the pain, you know, from the the stabbing. But younger Martin is admonishing, or um, old Martin admonishes younger Martin for leaving his wife all by herself on her birthday. How dare he? Um, How dare I do that? Now he knows better. He knows from hindsight, which means he shouldn't have said anything. Because now you're changing stuff. Exactly. What if they were supposed to have a? What if she's supposed to be a neglected wife? What if now, it, you know, something right. horrible happens? Well, oh. it see, it seems the more that they preach and talk about not wanting to F up the timelines, they yeah. F up the timelines even more. Hello? Like, let me talk to my younger self and completely change the course of his life for the next whatever year. Shut up. Get out of here with that. Right. I'm done with these people. They need to stop. Um, they, they kind of regroup and then they go to a full black tie dinner. Old Stein spots Clarissa sitting alone and then uh, he takes his chance to dance with the younger version of his wife and comforts her about her terrible birthday weekend. The rest of the legends spot Dark in the hallway, fall into a basement, where he begins his deal to exchange a fancy, brand-new, state-of-the-art CD-ROM. 
Mm. Um, I know, <laughs> packed with DOD intel for a relic procured mm. by the KGB. Um, they make the trade, but the legends crash the party. All hell breaks loose. Yes, yet again, he uh, Nate you know, takes care of most of the goons while their legends chase after Dark. Uh, Ray and Mick t- uh, get you know, are tasked with evacuating the White House and dismantling a bomb. There's always a bomb, right? Um, has to. And he tells you know Mick gives him the the um, the pep talk about how he's Ray Palmer. He's able to science anything, you know. And uh, he doesn't he doesn't want him to try to be snoring anymore, just to be himself. Uh, Firestorm saves Clarissa and Sarah get stuck fighting this really big KGB burly goon, um, like twice their size, and at least twice their size, probably three times their size. Um, Ray, you know, of course, gets the bomb disarmed just in the nick of time, as usual. Very MacGyver moment. Uh-huh. But he has to take apart the cold gun to do it and use some of the tech from the cold gun. Oh no! It has to be done while well, he eats a sandwich or eats cake or something. Yeah, yeah. Mick's like, yeah, whatever. I'm gonna enjoy this bond, but you know, this eclair over here. Right. Um, Obsidian corners dark, uh, but when Vixen rushes in, Todd takes a solid form so he can take a bullet for her. Sarah pursues Dark, and then instead of killing him, tells him, you know, hey, I know the future, and I know you fail. Uh, I know how you no, fail. She fails. And he explains she explains every way in which his life fails. Step by future. step, yes. Yeah, let me go ahead and just lay out this entire path so you know what to avoid for the next forty years because I'm a dumbass. And this really upset me because she established herself as a good leader last episode. Yeah, that bothered me so much. That really bothered me. And this episode uh, it totally annoyed me. What is this? And seriously, I'm like, what are we supposed to, are we supposed to be cheering for you? Like, yes, let's tell this man everything that goes wrong with his life. Is there? Plus you can't kill him. So, so much conviction. No, you can't. Right. So like, what are you, you affecting? Nothing. So why are you running to fight him when you know you haven't been able to kill him? Like that, that bothered me too. Like, like, let me hurt your feelings since I can't hurt anything else. Right. <laughs> right. So that's, that's all it. I can that's... do. So I'm going to do it. You know. <laughs> Boy, don't I mean, is she like, jealous oh. that Ray is getting all of the dumbass quota of each episode, and she just has to get? <laughs> I don't know. If those crimps, they just really messed up her brain chemistry. I guess so. <laughs> um, Doug gets taken away, and then Sarah realizes the time travel after is a speedster. Um, Stein and Stein have a moment, and he tells you know, baby Stein appears to listen to him at the end. He says, "I love Car- Clarissa," and they leave, he leaves the ship. Uh, they heal Todd in the med bay, and then uh, although Vixen offers him a spot on the team, he declines, and then he says he got married. Uh, he met a man back in 1987, he wants to go back home to him. Uh, before he leaves, it was, he told, he told Vixen it's okay to move on from Rex and keep an open mind uh, about love. Wink, wink, toward Nate or whoever. Um... He wants to, Nate comes in, but he, he wants to grab a drink, but Todd declines, and then, uh, Amai, like, passes on to Nate, like, a little bit of who his grandfather was. He tells him he loved to sing, for instance, you know, something he didn't know about him. But while the legends celebrate their kind of pyrrhic victory, the, uh, Thon and Dark are, are talking, and Dark is all bummed out about his, you know, failure or whatever, and, um... Thawne says, I have just a thing, and it's a time bubble. It's a chrono bubble. And Thawne go off somewhere into time. 
and that's the end of the episode. Here we go. I don't know. It's it bothered me when you start messing with Sarah being dumb. Like she doesn't make dumb decisions. Absolutely. Like that. And that bothers me. Like to to the whole thing with Damien Dark. It's like you, you keep pushing it. Like there's no reason she should. Like you fought him multiple times and gotten your behind kicked multiple times. Right. What made you think at the White House you were going to come in there by yourself and beat this dude, let alone kill him? Like, what makes you think that that was going to happen at plus, all? Plus, they kept telling her that she couldn't kill him because of the timeline. Right. That it would right. mess up the timeline too much if she killed him back in the 80s because he did so many things that affected everything. It would have been better had she killed him than what she actually did, I think. She she had no, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, I don't even, even when she beat him, she didn't have to say anything. Just nope. let him go. Don't say anything. Just, just. Yeah, let it burn. Yeah. Do like Usher said. Let it burn, son. Let it burn. Yep. <laughs> so that is uh, Legends of Tomorrow. What um, do you yeah. all think? Hard, hard C, hard C. But I did write down one redeemable line from this. Where Usher said, "Did you just Doc Brown me?" And Martin says, "Who the hell is that?" <laughs> nice. <laughs> and yeah. I'm sorry, considering uh, what his age was in the '80s, he would have known exactly. Right? How would he not have known that? Come on. Yeah, but he might not have. He, he might not have seen you know, gone out to the movies or whatever. I don't care. It was so immersed in the pop culture at that time. There's no way you didn't know who Doc Brown was. Seriously, I, I don't believe that. But besides all that, I mean, this one, this is, this is, I, I don't want to fail it, but I will give it a D. And probably a note home to the parents, we need to have, because they really have been doing so well this season, and then this, this is ugh, terrible. It gets, it gets a C for me. I give it a B minus, and I'll tell you why. I really like Lance Hendrickson. I thought That's it was terrible. awesome. He's playing Obsidian. Again, the show's a real mixed bag for me. There's some parts of it I really like, and some parts of it I'm just, like, dumbfounded by how stupid they are. So, I go B yeah, minus. He was the strongest part, I think. You know what's still yeah. weird, though, is fraternizing on the team with other people. Like, JS, like we don't see yes. fraternizing. We don't see the yeah. JSA and any other. I can't say it tonight. We're don't drink and drive. You can't. I can't. <laughs> there are no. There are no mentions of the JSA and and any other timelines. Any other timelines that they've been through, right? And even if it's a secret society team or something, you would think there'd be some mention of them at least when all this stuff is happening in the present, like something, like they like. You know, like, like, it's just surprising that there's no mention at all. And then the whole thing with her telling her not to be friends with the team. Like, right. you, you went out of your way to be friends with uh, a heat wave, dude. Like, you, you did nice things for him in that other episode. And then in this episode, you're like, no, we don't, we don't talk. We don't. We don't do anything good for each other. We just do the work, and then that's it. Like it's it's like two different personalities with her all of a sudden. Okay. Yeah. 
So it's that back and forth thing that they do where um, I'm not going to date, you know, like I don't want to date anybody. And then next week she she starts dating somebody. It's okay. like I don't understand. Like it, it just didn't make sense. I know they want to make some type of um, some type of, of, of conflict for the team. But it's just like with this with Vixen now with this Vixen, it's just like they're just making up stuff that doesn't make any sense. Like you, you can't even talk to him about his father for two seconds. I mean, like, is that really a big deal? She has a lot of. I, I mean, look, the guy who's her, her best friend or whatever dies in her arms and says, "Time traveler." Yeah. I mean, until they found out who the actual time traveler was, I don't think she even trusted anyone on that. You know, the, on the crate or on the you know wave rider or whatever wasn't involved somehow. Okay. Yeah. But it'd be dumb for them to go through all that to free her, have them go through all that, and help them, and it's and it's them. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, they don't know what they are, they are in the future. So. Yeah. Anywho, um, on the, in the news, Legends of Tomorrow's uh, second season has been extended from thirteen to seventeen episodes. Well, yeah, now they got to tell out the whole story of how they're going to fix what Sarah screwed up by telling the next 40 years. So, I mean, we needed more episodes. It's been not pulling. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I wonder if it, if the extension is, like, they have to lose episodes because they have to cross over. That kind of takes away episodes from the individual season when you do the crossover stuff. So I wonder if there's more. It's actually not doing as well in the ratings as it did last season. Um, t- I can understand why, because people might just not have come back. You know, like that, that first season might have been a turnoff, and people just didn't come back. Also, so. Lucifer has been extended to a full 22 episodes, which is great news, because we love the Lucifer. Yeah, here. it's got better. That's a show that got better. Mm-hmm. It really got better. Absolutely. Also, this week we got the first trailer for the big crossover that Daryl just alluded to. Yes, I'm so the big ready. Big four-way crossover that starts the week after Thanksgiving, going through Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and Legends—all four shows. Exciting. You think they might add another crossover for just Legends? Like they all are going to be in Legend episodes, and that's why they added more episodes to it. I don't know. Because that would be the show, if you haven't ratings problems, that would be the show that you would want to do some type of crossover. And then, like, you could do a one-show a one show crossover and just have it just all of them be on just the one show. Hmm. Or one of them at, on each show. Like, you know, but like a guest star on from one of the shows be on that show. Right. Well, I think a rising tide, you know, raises all boats, and um, you know, the legends. I think uh, hopefully the ratings will improve because they're you know spending time with Supergirl and Flash are both doing really well this season. So, right, right. Any crossover would give them like if you all you got to do is just say you're going to have Supergirl or or Flash or Arrow be you know be on the show, and I, you know it's going to be a ratings boost for them. So we've got all kinds of characters we thought we'd never see. What kinds of scenarios we probably never see? Oh, now we got to pay Donnie Salvo a dollar. Oh, damn it. That's right. Donnie got mad at us because we took his, I know. I know. He stole from Seth MacFarlane. But anyway, 
I was going to say, that's a family guy thing, Pretty is it sure. not? Don't, don't, don't tell Donnie that. Donnie thinks it's his. That's um, right. Who are the top two, two or three Disney, uh, DC characters you would like to see pop up on, on DC TV? Either on their own show or on someone else's show. Mm, the Ray. I need time. Yeah, the, well, the Ray's getting his own animated thing on Seed pretty soon. Right. Yeah, but I'd like this. I I don't know if I'd want him to have his own live action show, but for him to join like Legends briefly or be a guest on, I I'd like to see him. I think Superman should get his. I think they kind of got it all. It's it's they got the actor already and all that stuff. I think it'd be pretty simple to just do. You know, just have Superman and get his own show. And, and I wouldn't. So, yeah. uh, I was going to say, and and this is stretching it as far as DC, but it is a DC property. But um, I'm a huge fan of Scooby Doo. But this, uh, I don't know if anybody else is reading the Scooby Doo Apocalypse series that's been out. No, but it's fantastic, and I would love to see that as a show. Oh. I guess I would pick like a Justice League Dark show, like get Matt Ryan coming back as Constantine. Oh, for sure. And yes. kind of like have like maybe have like Swamp him encounter thing. a different DC like uh, character, you know, from that part of the DC universe every week. Like maybe there'd be a Swamp Thing episode. Maybe there'd be a you know Madame Xanadu episode. Yeah. Maybe there'd you be a Clark... Swamp Thing Animal Man Power Hour. I yeah, or like a or like thing. a. <laughs> it could be a clearing the witch boy episode or a demon etrigan episode you know like uh, you know kind of spotlighting that part of the dcu I would, I would love to see a show like that that sounds fun yeah i love the swamp thing animal man crossover so if you did that as a series that would that be good. great that would be Holy awesome crap. like do it on fx or something like get it real nasty gross like bloody come on that'd be fun right yeah. I want Jesse I, Quick to come back though. I don't. Oh, yes. She don't have to get a new show, but I would just like her to be a regular. I'd like to see DC do some sort of streaming service like the way Marvel's done with the Netflix originals. You know, that that would be interesting because you know we have you know uh, Marvel Shield or whatever, and it's okay. But you know there really isn't any other Marvel TV, but. They really do because they kind of have very few boundaries. They really do such a great job with those shows. I'd love to see DC do something like that and and mix it into this world. I'd like to see a Gotham Central show done on Netflix. Yeah. That'd be cool. Like an almost R-rated Gotham Central. Yeah, I'd be with that. That'd be cool. That's kind of what Gotham is. I think it's kind of the way it started out. Like wanted to be, but it's totally not that now. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Gotham like Central, the comic, you didn't too. see any, I mean, it was all street-level, you know, stuff. Yeah. And they've made, like, made every excuse to put every freaking name they can up in this so far, so that's true. Yeah. And I'd yeah. love to see them just do some mini-series, you know, some, some like, six- or ten-episode series, and it's just about that one thing. It's not being set to be, you know, an ongoing season-by-season season series, but do some stuff like that, you know, and have, like, um, like the Gotham by Gaslight story, you know, do, like, a mini-series of that, you know, that kind of stuff. I would love to see that. That would be fantastic. If they ever take Laura, I mean, if they Legends ever ends like this season or whatever, I would love for her to come back to Arrow. 
as a cast, as a, as a regular or something, or just have her own show, but not be the writers that have been doing Legends. I don't want to, like, the jokey jokey, yeah. but I like how she was written. I like how she was developed in Arrow, like that, you know, that, that type of dark, you know, journey. Like, I would love to see her just do a journey where she just travels the world just helping people. Different missions or something. I'd like to see Grodd return. Oh, I'm, so I'm sure we're going to see that. If you like Geeky Podcasts, I imagine you do because you've been listening to this one for almost two hours. And by all means, go to the Taylor Network of Podcasts.com. You will find a veritable plethora of podcasting goodness, all um, headed by the man, the myth, the legend, the mogul himself, Mr. Daryl Taylor, who's calling us from his underground lair deep beneath the volcano. I'm supposed to. I was supposed to give this out. Damn it! I got to move now. Secret. I got to move to another. Go, go hang out with Ollie. Everybody's, you know. I didn't say. I didn't say which volcano. There are a lot of volcanoes. I know. I know. Now we got to pay Donnie Salvo another dollar for doing that. Damn it! Damn it! We owe Donnie Salvo so much money. Does he listen to this though? Yes, that's how he knows. That's how we knew about it. Darn it. But uh, you can get all kinds of podcasts over there, including No Apologies and uh, Nothing's On and uh, uh, Arts and Crap and JK's Happy Hour and uh, Gotham by Geeks. All kinds of great geeky podcasts going over there, TaylorNetworkPodcast.com. Please send us some iTunes reviews. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, yes. No, we haven't had an iTunes review in quite a while, and it really does like boost our listenership because people are more aware of the podcast that they see it on the iTunes. So if you give us an iTunes review, it only takes a minute of your time. It doesn't cost anything. Please do so. And if you like this podcast, then head over to hhwlod.com, where you will find other podcasts, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, which we will more than likely record tomorrow night, uh, all about the Walking Dead, now that the Walking Dead is yep. back in town. And uh, we've been you know with the show since the beginning, the Walking Dead TV podcast, and... Uh, a big Facebook group to go with it, and it's a really, really good show. Uh, Half Hour Wasted is back. Uh, the Podfathers themselves are doing their show once again. Uh, check out the content there, hhwlod.com. Uh, it's all connected, which do for Marvel TV what we do for DC TV. Only they only have, like, what, one show now or something? Two shows? Pretty much. Yeah. Man, they're lazy. Okay. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, you can join uh, Russ and John and the, the whole crew over there as they talk Marvel TV and movies. So until next week, when we get another full slate of DC television, it'll be the week before Thanksgiving uh, break. We are ghosts. Thank you guys for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thanks. Laters. Laters.